Welcome to the America's 360 podcast. Get the inside scoop and the outside perspective on the latest developments from Canada, Latin America, and everywhere in between. America's 360 is a production of the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. Hello and welcome to America's 360. I'm your host, John Molesky. This program is brought to you by the world's number one think tank for regional studies, the Wilson Center. And America's 360 is a collaboration among the center's Argentina Project, Brazil Institute, Canada Institute, Latin American Program, and Mexico Institute. Just a few days ago, in the first foreign trip of his presidency, Mexico's president traveled to D.C. to meet with his American counterpart, a man who rode to office on the promise that he would build a wall between their countries. During their meeting, President López Obrador thanked President Trump for his understanding and respect. Hmm. If you're experiencing some cognitive dissonance, you aren't alone. That reaction was fairly universal. An Al Jazeera headline read, Trump AMLO celebrate odd bromance in Washington mini-summit. Warm words were in stark contrast to the days when Donald Trump rallied against Mexican immigrants. To help us make some sense of the state of affairs between Mexico and the U.S., and also the significance of the meeting, Mexico Institute Director Duncan Wood has a very special guest, a former Mexican ambassador to the United States. Duncan, take it away. Thanks, John. Arturo Sarocan is a former Mexican ambassador to the United States, serving from 2007 to 2013. He is now an international strategic consultant, founder and president of Sarocan and Associates LLC, adjunct professor at George Washington University's Elliott School of International Affairs, and most importantly to me, he is a member of my board at the Mexico Institute and a global fellow with us as well. Ambassador Sarocan, we're so glad that you could join us today. It's a great pleasure to be with you, Duncan. Thanks for inviting me. Now, Ambassador Sarokan, uh, you were ambassador in Washington the last time that there was a state visit by a sitting Mexican president. And uh, you've had the chance, obviously, to observe what happened during this visit by President Andres Manuel López Obrador of Mexico. Can you please tell us, you know, how you perceived the visit, how you compare it with the state visit by President Calderón? Well, it's, it's very hard to compare a state visit and a working official visit like this one, the, the, the dynamics and the protocol and the depth of a state visit compared to this are important, uh, even more so if you take into account that President López Obrador decided just to focus on his meeting with President Trump in the White House, um, the dinner that was offered to him by President Trump that evening, and obviously the, the two sort of protocol-driven events uh, of that morning when he went to the Lincoln Monument and to the Benito Juarez statue. Um, in front of the Watergate. A state visit um, has many, many more moving parts. Most importantly, um, engagement with Capitol Hill and with Congress, which was one of those areas which I think was sorely missing in President López Obrador's uh, trip to Washington, D.C. I think the White House, with, with a bit of a slate of hand, ensured that the date of the visit coincided with a congressional recess, so that even if the Mexicans were tempted to reach out to the Democrats and to the leadership and to Speaker Pelosi to thank them for the very important role that they played in getting USMCA across the finish line on Capitol Hill, that would not be possible. So that, that, that if you compare what a state visit entails and what this visit entailed, that would be one of the big, big gaping holes. And the other one, obviously, is the opportunity that I think, again, was a missed opportunity by the president of not engaging with diaspora uh, the Mexican diaspora in the United States, 
uh, a constituency uh, which overwhelmingly voted for him in the 2018 presidential elections and a constituency that still more or less has remained steadfast in its support to the president. We'll have to gauge whether Lopes Obrador's baffling, in my personal view, remarks in the Rose Garden in the White House saying that he wanted to acknowledge President Trump for never having insulted Mexico and Mexicans, which which was sort of, I think a lot of people's jaws fell to the floor uh, when we heard that, um, whether that's going to have an impact on on how especially Mexican community leaders react to that. Now, wh- what would you say about the results that have come out of this uh, this work working visit? Um, you know, we've heard uh, President Lopez Obrador say in his Mañanera that uh, it was never his intention to interfere in the uh, the electoral campaign process here in the United States, and that uh, you know it's not his responsibility to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, but beyond that, how would you evaluate the results? I, I, I think in most things in life, there are there are good things and bad things. Um, I think it was very important uh, for the president, for the Mexican president. Um, in what was, I think, what what was I, purely, I think, a domestic politics-driven trip to Washington to send the message, message back home to Mexico that he he can engage in a constructive, respectful manner with, with Donald Trump. Um, I think it was important, despite what I just said about his remarks in the Rose Garden, uh, the earlier parts of that, of those remarks, I think were on spot when the president uh, underscored the uh, contributions of Mexican migrants to the economic well-being and the prosperity of the United States in the face of the most anti-Mexican and anti-immigrant U.S. president in modern history. I think also, um, even though he may, n- have, may have not thought about it this way, I think he looked at it from a historical perspective, but the fact that he went to the Lincoln Memorial uh, s- sends subtle messages to different constituencies in a place that played such an important role in the uh, fight for civil liberties uh, in the 1960s, the last time that there was this level of, of political and cultural and social effervescence and turbulence in, in, in the US since the days of the Vietnam War, and at a moment where the Lincoln Memorial has played an important role in the Black Lives Matter narrative and, 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 and imagery. And so, uh, the fact that he went there that morning, I, I think, I think was was a subtle but important decision by the Mexican foreign ministry. I think the big mistakes, Duncan, are to what was a I think spot on writ uh, 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 remarks. He sort of um, hewed to his spin that the trip was all about USMCA. He talked about the role that USMCA would play going forward. I, I, I may quibble with his own very particular vision of, of how global economics in North America play into this, but um, he certainly, by mentioning the opportunities that USMCA opens for the United States and Mexico and Canada regarding China, that was a very interesting uh, 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 signal um, towards the White House. But then suddenly the wheels fell off, Duncan, because that's when he went off saying that he wanted to acknowledge that Trump had never... Uh, criticized uh, Mexico and was respectful of, respectful of Mexico, and then went even further by saying that he had never imposed anything on Mexico. And then obviously the question is, what then were the punitive tariffs of last year pegged to Mexico's uh, immigration policy all about? Um, I, I think that in many ways going forward, Duncan, 
this may be the proverbial travel now, pay later. The, the reactions coming from a number of Democrats on Capitol Hill, from the campaign, from the Joe Biden campaign, from, from Joe Biden himself, and more importantly, what many of us said was going to happen, started happening four hours after the dinner, which is um, proxy social media accounts for the Trump campaign, especially uh, Hispanic outreach, started using that Rose Garden speech to say, you see, um, even President Lopez Obrador acknowledges that Trump respects Mexico, Mexico and Mexicans. And when Arizona and Florida, if you look at the latest polls, um, uh, are, are, are really close in terms of what may happen in the Electoral College come November, um, peeling away uh, 2%, 3% of the Hispanic vote in those states could make the difference between a Biden administration and a Trump re-election. Ambassador Sarah Khan, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insights with us. Back to you, John. Thank you, Duncan, and special thanks to Ambassador Arturo Saracan. We'll have more on AMLO, Trump, and U.S.-Mexico relations when we return with our roundtable segment. In just a moment, you're listening to America's 360. Welcome back to America's 360. I'm John Molesky, and it's time for our roundtable segment. First up is Canada Institute Director Christopher Sands. Hello, bonjour. Latin American Program Director Cindy Arnson. Hi there. The Director of the Center's Brazil Institute, Ricardo Zuniga. Hi, John. Argentina Project Director Benjamin Gadan. John, how are you? Doing well. And the Director of the Center's Mexico Institute, Duncan Wood, who you heard from earlier during his interview with Ambassador Sarakan. And Duncan, I want to begin with a clip from AMLO's comments while he was here in Washington, D.C., in which he talks about that thing that we referenced at the top of the program about this notion of respect and how it plays out. So let's take a listen and then get your thoughts. Yo decidí venir porque ya lo expresé. Es muy importante la puesta en marcha del tratado. Pero también quise estar aquí para agradecerle al pueblo de Estados Unidos, a su gobierno y a usted, presidente Trump, por ser cada vez más respetuosos con nuestros Paisanos Mexicanos. Thank you, John. I have to say that uh, that was the clip that really made uh, jaws drop around the uh, uh, across the continent. It was uh, it was a really extraordinary statement by the Mexican president, and I think it really helped to sum up what was an extraordinary visit, an extraordinary meeting between the uh, the two heads of state. Um, you know, a, uh, a visit by a Mexican president to a U.S. president is always an important uh, affair. It was very, very important that we uh, celebrated in some way the coming into force of the uh, USMCA agreement. Um, but I have to say that the agenda that uh, the two men had uh, for the for the visit of AMLO to Washington was rather light in substance. As uh, as Ambassador Saro Khan said in the interview earlier on. Um, you know, there are so many issues that could have been covered in here. Um, and uh, But perhaps the thing that raised most eyebrows, particularly in Mexico, was that statement about Trump respecting Mexico and Mexicans. And it's really divided the country back in Mexico. We've heard um, from the intellectual elite who have criticized that and criticized the visit in general. But when you actually look at the opinion polls, 
you see that 47% of Mexicans believe that the visit was a success. And they believe the visit was a success because they saw their president standing alongside the president of the United States of America, the most powerful country in the world. But if we look at what the meeting was actually supposed to be about, what it was heralded as, which was a celebration of USMCA, then there was one thing that was obviously missing there, and that was Canada. Well, and this was one of the things that the Canadians were talking about. Uh, There were a couple of of odd uh, vibrations around this visit. First, it it seemed to many Canadians that AMLO had invited himself over to Trump's place for, for this meeting. And then the Canadians sort of felt like they were being invited almost by AMLO to join in. It was all very uh, sketchy. It didn't feel like a proper invitation. At the same time, the relationship between Justin Trudeau and and AMLO has not been great. Their most recent conversation was driven by uh, a number of Mexican migrant workers who had come to Canada, quarantined, uh, ready to work on farms. Uh, quarantined for 14 days as required, and and yet a number of them tested positive for COVID, coronavirus, and two of them died. And in June, the two leaders talked about it, and AMLO declared that until he received sufficient assurances, he was going to put a stop on 5,000 Mexican migrant farm workers who routinely come and help Canada. And it's it's easy to forget Canada is a country which has labor shortages in certain areas, and this is one of them. So this could really hurt Canada's farm sector. Um, Maybe last but not least, I think Trudeau was a little, still is a little peeved at the United States for threatening to revive 232 national security tariffs on Canadian aluminum on the same day that that the USMCA took effect. This was something that they expected they'd never see again. It was resolved before the, the agreement could be concluded. But at an agreement technically launching a new trade agreement to also be celebrating a, a new trade dispute with the United States, it just wasn't the right atmosphere for, for Justin Trudeau to feel comfortable participating in any way. There was definitely a, an odd element to all of this, Chris, which you, which you raised, is the, the pieces that weren't discussed and that weren't deeply covered as part of the visit. In the case of Mexico, of course, USMCA is vitally important, and there's no question that there was a real utility to AMLO domestically in Mexico and, and being seen next to the President of the United States. That's always an important visual. But the reality is that you know a lot of the press coverage and a lot of commentary around that visit didn't really focus on some of the crucial trends and concerns that are emerging in Mexico. Uh, the first one being, of course, that the economy has been deeply affected, not just by COVID, by, but by a whole series of other negative trends, uh, not least of which is some decisions by the current Mexican government that seem to be driving out not just domestic investors, but foreign investors. And that's incredibly important for the United States. Mexico is our largest trading partner right now because of the trade war with China. It is one of the largest consumers of U.S. Uh, exports and consumer goods uh, exported to the Americas. So, and then that's even setting aside the whole security picture, where this is an exceedingly violent year uh, in Mexico, which has significant uh, repercussions for U.S. security in the end. And so, I think that there is a lot in this that you know would typically be a part of a discussion between the heads of state of Mexico and the United States. That I think merits additional, um, you know, an additional look and attention, frankly, by by those of us involved in events in the Americas. I'd like to go back to uh, one of the things you mentioned before in terms of elite opinion, and and I think what's really striking to me about the visit 
is the way elite opinion in Mexico and to a certain extent in the United States is very different from overall public opinion, which as you said, I mean, almost double the number of people in Mexico approve of this visit you know, to the United States as disapprove. And I think that corresponds roughly with the kind of change in the view of the United States and the Trump administration um, with the signing or with the successful implementation now of, of the USMCA, of the trade agreement. I mean, you know, Mexican public opinion was uh, sharply um, offended and, and negative um, in light of the different attacks by President Trump on Mexicans and the border wall and, you know, migration in general. But after USMCA was signed, um, I think the, the shift in favorability was quite notable, something like 64% you know, view the United States in favorable terms. And I think that speaks to this, you know, central importance of the trade relationship between uh, the two countries, as, as Ricardo has just highlighted. Benjamin, we haven't heard from you yet. I want to give you a chance to comment. Um, I think there's an acknowledgement in Mexico of Mexico's dependence on the United States, particularly economically. And though it's tempting for any head of state to react to the genuine provocations that come from the White House, I think, you know, there's recognition in Mexico, and Duncan, you'll tell me if you see things differently, that the relationship is too important to, to pick a fight with the United States or to even return fire when Mexico's pride is offended by the rhetoric or actions of the White House. And, you know, I think AMLO's approach really does reflect that. There will be some political cost to him, but I think, you know, the polling shows that Mexicans are taking a pragmatic view of what is an essential relationship, whether or not they appreciate the attitude of the United States and its current administration. You know, many of your comments, uh, Cindy hinted at this, though, on, on talking about public opinion, many of your comments were in search of more substance that wasn't really part of the show. It, are, would it be too harsh to say this was just a glorified photo op? I think uh, a more diplomatic way of putting it is that it was a carefully crafted uh, visit to Washington. Um, you know, we, we saw that there was uh, the, uh, the laying of wreaths at, uh, at monuments. There was a message which had obviously been prepared and cleared with the White House beforehand. And I think that, uh, you know, we have to look at this in the context of what's going on in U.S. politics as well. So without wishing to say that this was, you know, overly staged, I think that a significant amount of thought had gone into how this came across. It was more than just a photo opportunity. It was an attempt by the AMLO uh, administration and by AMLO himself to really show President Trump that he is willing to work with the United States and that he believes that if you're friendly to President Trump, then President Trump will be friendly to you. And I think it's also important to point out that presidential visits like this are all, always very heavy on symbolism. And it was quite notable that in addition to going to the White House, AMLO visited the Lincoln Memorial, um, perhaps a nod to the Black Lives Matter movement um, in, in the United States, but he also visited the statue of Benito Juarez, who was a 19th century Mexican president, the first indigenous president of Mexico, who I think lives to a certain extent in the US imagination through the celebration of Cinco de Mayo, which has become you know, a, a widely recognized holiday in, in the United States, which uh, commemorates the defeat of the French um, and the French invasion of Mexico during Benito Juarez's time. And, you know, there have been a number of ways that AMLO, I think, tries to see himself 
as the equivalent of Benito Juarez in his relationship you know, with President Lincoln at the time. So the symbolism um, was quite important. And it's also notable that the visit to the statue of Benito Juarez was the single most favorably viewed thing uh, in, in Mexican public opinion vis-a-vis um, -vis the visit. One thing that strikes me, Cindy, is that, is that AMLO has this grandiose view of his role in Mexican history, but a very humble view of his role in terms of politics in the region, um, including in the hemisphere, let alone outside Latin America. And I think that's been to his advantage as well in managing the relationship with Donald Trump. There was this sense among the Latin American left that they had a new leader and a powerful one governing Mexico, the most important economy you know, in the region after Brazil. And instead, they have found a leader with virtually no foreign policy. As we pointed out, this was his first foreign trip. And, you know, he basically is interested in, in managing Mexico and the relationship with the U.S. is maybe the only one that matters to him abroad because of its implications for the Mexican economy. So I think as important as he sees himself in Mexican history, he does not see himself as a player geostrategically. And I think that's of use to the relationship with the United States, because if he did get involved, you know, from what little clues we have from his approach to Venezuela, it would be a real thorn in the side of the United States and cause even more complexity in this critical relationship. No, Benjamin, I, it's funny to hear you say that. It, it also strikes me, it was just a month ago where we were talking about hosting the G7 group of seven leaders in Washington. And the president made a point of trying to have an in-person meeting, even though previously it was planned as a video conference meeting. Uh, Trudeau wasn't keen to go. He's already been quarantined once because his wife contracted COVID. He didn't want to go, but he didn't want to go as far as Angela Merkel and, and reject the invitation. But when you see more seasoned international leaders who do have a full spectrum foreign policy were still leery about an election year visit that might be health risky in, in Mexico. It almost makes it look as though uh, AMLO is not paying attention to that wider context at all. Let, let's talk about risk for a second here, because, uh, you know, this was a visit that was uh, classified as highly risky by most political commentators. Um, you know, many people thought that perhaps President Trump might uh, say something that would be insulting to the Mexican president, or at the very least, that AMLO himself as president would suffer um, in the opinion polls, because a president who has never traveled overseas deciding to travel in the middle of a pandemic during a U.S. Uh, election year to visit only the U.S. president, not visit the U.S. Congress or any Democrat in particular, that was seen as being political, politically risky. But I have to say, that both uh, uh, President López Obrador and President Trump seem to have got what they wanted from this meeting. When you say they got what they wanted, I'm wondering, a few of you have referenced public opinion. Donald Trump has never been a majority president, right? He, he lost the election by 2.8 million popular votes. Uh, AMLO, on the other hand, was a very popular president who won in a convincing manner. Where do each of these gentlemen stand after this meeting in that regard? Look, I mean, others can jump in. I would say that in the case of AMLO, he has some very serious domestic headwinds to be concerned about. As Duncan mentioned, uh, the trip was technically proficient. The, the visuals were strong. They got what they needed from AMLO's public relations perspective. But in terms of what he's looking at in the Mexican economy, in terms of what he's looking at in the security picture, the news is not, it's generally not good. And so I think that he, he feels like maybe he secured his flank with the United States and now he can turn to some of these other issues. Uh, but those issues are, are probably much more important in the, in the view of the Mexican public than this uh, uh, foreign exchange. 
to complement what Ricardo just mentioned, I mean, it seems to me there's no question that President Trump will use this visit as part of his um, re-election campaign uh, for November. He has talked about bringing U.S. jobs back to the United States, about revising trade agreements that um, he sees as having been prejudicial to U.S. workers and to U.S. interests. And here's an example, you know, of a critical trading relationship in which he has hammered another government and gotten a better deal for the United States. And I think that's the way it's going to be portrayed. And I have no doubt that that will come out in the election. If I can, if I can say something here, I think that the, the, the greatest shame about this visit is that uh, yeah, we expect politicians to use these events for their own political purposes. Of course they do. But it's a shame that not more wasn't done with it. Uh, Ricardo mentioned earlier on that there are so many other issues that they could have talked about. There are so many other issues that uh, they could have talked about that are directly relevant to the bilateral relationship, whether it's migration or whether it is the post-COVID economy, human capital development, uh, security, drugs, etc. All of these are vitally important issues, and this was a wasted or rather a missed opportunity. And sadly, I don't see another opportunity like this coming up anytime soon. Uh, you know, in, in the near future, I think we're, you know, obviously we're, we're deep into an election year. And so we're going to have to wait until the, the next administration is firmly in place before we can begin to have those conversations. And that's going to have to be our final word for this episode of America's 360. Terrific conversation, everybody. Thank you. And uh, Cindy, Ricardo, Benjamin, Chris Duncan, we'll see you next time around. And speaking of next time around, we'd love to hear from you about what you like and heaven forbid what you don't like about the program. And we'd especially like to know what topics you'd like to have us cover in future episodes of America's 360. If you'd like to share those ideas with us, you can reach us via email at americas360 at wilsoncenter.org. That's americas360 at wilsoncenter.org. We hope to hear from you soon. Until then, for all of us at the Wilson Center and America's 360, I'm John Molesky. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to America's 360, a podcast about the innumerable ties among the nations of the Western Hemisphere. America's 360 is produced and edited by Oscar Cruz, Angela Robertson, and Mariana Sanchez Ramirez. You can subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To learn more about our programs, please visit wilsoncenter.org. And please join us again next time for another episode of America's 360.